Welcome to another message from Bridge Assembly, located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information on Bridge, go to our website at bridgehelena.com. It is our prayer that this message will help you to connect with God, connect with others, and connect others with God. How many in here this morning can simply say, it is well with my soul. What, what an incredible place that we get to within our faith when we can simply sit back and, and not be consumed with asking God for things and, and the fears of this world, but to simply say, you know what? You know what, Father? It, it is well with my soul. Father, Lord, what an incredible phrase right there. What an incredible place that you draw us to, that you bring us to, that we may sit in your confidence, we may bask in your love. And whatever this life throws at us, whatever turmoil is going on, we can simply look to you and say, you know what? It is well. It is well in my soul. And it is well in my soul simply because of you, Lord. Simply because of you, Father, who loves me so much. Simply because of you, Jesus, who, who gave your life for me. Father, we thank you so much this morning. We, we, we just sit in your presence. And we just take it in. We just breathe it in. And in our exhale, Lord, we worship you. We proclaim who you are. Jesus, you are above all things. Your name is above all things. You are the King of kings. You are the Lord of lords. But Lord God, you humbled yourself to sit with the lowly and to give your life for everyone. So this morning, Lord God, we give back to you in praise, in worship, and in a bold confession of saying, it is well in my soul because of who you are, Jesus. Be glorified this morning. Be lifted high this morning. Pray this in the powerful and mighty name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, and everyone shout it out. Amen. Hallelujah. How many of you guys needed that this morning? Man, I did. You know, sometimes we just get to that, those times in our lives where it's like, man, I don't know what's going on. I just don't feel quite right. And then we're, we come together and we worship and then we understand what we really needed. And that is what I really needed this morning. I'll be the first to admit that worship is exactly what I needed this morning. And what perfect songs, what perfect order of songs. So thank you, worship team. Thank you, Jen. Um, praise God. Before I dismiss the kids, we've got a, Bruce is going to make a quick announcement here. It's going to be pretty fun. Come on, oh, Bruce, put up that first slide. With the mountains. All right. Well, I knew there were a couple of kids over uh, helping out in the nursery, but I'm speaking to all the parents and the grandparents. If you're here or if you're watching online, get your kids here. We need to help our kids get through what's going on out there. It's, it's a wilderness. Um, I was going to start by telling the kids, you know, 120 years ago, it really was a wilderness out there. There was nothing out here. Wild animals, wild weather, it was dangerous. But people saw promise in Montana. They saw it as the promised land. And so they wanted to come here on their wagons coming out this way. And before they started coming out here, the army sent the cavalry out there and the troopers built forts and then they watched over the trails to keep the settlers safe. But like I said, it is still dangerous out there. The dangers are different but they're still out there. And the Third Light Cavalry is going to be a new program that we're starting on Wednesday nights right after the spring break, so about two weeks. 
You can see the motto on there, Latin, officium ad Dei, which is duty to God. And from the symbols there, you can see we're all about the Trinity. We're going to be teaching the kids what the troopers learned over a century ago to keep the people safe. And we're going to show that to the kids. We're going to update it and show them how they can help keep their friends at school and friends in their neighborhood safe. It's dangerous out there. You know that, right? There's so much that's going after the kids. They're also going to have fun doing it. And I was going to have a kid at least try on one of their hats. But I'll do that as soon as I, I see a girl right there. <laughs> Come on over here. Try it on. Okay, turn, turn. All right, turn around and show them. All right. Two weeks. Now, kids, you can be dismissed. All right, a couple other quick announcements. That's going to be a good one. Um, coming up quickly, can you believe we're into spring? It feels more like spring out, doesn't it? A um, couple things for the adults coming up. We, on Wednesday night, the Wednesday night life group that we were doing just ended this past Wednesday, and the new one will start this coming Wednesday, and it is called, Who is Jesus? It's kind of like, Where's Waldo? It's actually not like, Where's Waldo at all? Um, who is Jesus? It'll be, an, a, it'll be a challenging, stimulating kind of, of class. Charlie Rabine will be teaching this class, and we're all excited about that. So Wednesday nights, please come. It starts at 6.30. Um, we have a meal here, if you don't know, we have a meal here at 5.30, so we can all get together and eat, and that is in the church building, and then this class will be in the office complex, top level. The youth are underneath us, as we know and hear, on Wednesday nights, which is awesome, and then the kids um, remain over here. So if you're looking for a great life group, if you've never been to one, try this one. This one will actually finish us out until um, we break for summer. So who is Jesus? Wednesday night, 6.30 at the office complex. Be here an hour early and eat with us and fellowship with us. All right. Um, membership classes. If you're still, if you're interested in becoming a member and you haven't signed up yet, grab me or grab Blair and Reva. Blair and Reva, raise your hands. Right there, they're putting it together, figuring out what will work best for everybody, um, and we'll go from there. And then finally, um, it was announced last week, uh, the Dinners with Friends, we're starting that back up again, and what that is is simply you sign up. We all get grouped up into smaller groups, and then we host our group, so there's usually five or six other couples or people in that group, and then we just rotate having dinner at each other's houses, and we actually get to know each other. Isn't that a great idea? So um, usually what happens in these is that if, if, uh, if you're real familiar with certain people, you're probably not going to get put in that group. We try to be a little strategic here. So, so you get to know new people. So I am going to pass that around again, just in case. There's two sheets. It's the same thing. Just last week we had one on each side, but we'll start here with Rhonda and, and uh, pass it all around. Sign up if you've never done it before. It's pretty fun. Um, if you can't cook, if it's like, well, I absolutely can't cook, um, well, then order pizza. Do some hot dogs are always good. Bologna sandwiches. Who, who loves a good bologna sandwich out there? Yeah, a couple of you guys admit it. Yeah, peanut butter and jelly. Love all those things. So the main thing is not the food. The main thing is the fellowship and getting to know each other and building those relationships. Amen? All right, three ways to give. We, we make it simple here. We've got three ways to give. You can give online at bridgehelena.com. Giving boxes in the back. Um, 
put it in the envelope, write the check, stuff full of cash, whatever, stick it in the box, or you can mail it to uh, 725 Granite Avenue, Helena, Montana, 59601. I had an idea. It's not a new idea. It's just a new idea for us. Um, I'm thinking about putting a an actual giving station in the back next to the box in the foyer where it would have an iPad where you can get straight on to our giving page. And you could just give that way here. If you don't have a check or cash, you could use a credit card. Would that be beneficial? I don't want to put holes in the wall that people have to fix if it's never going to be used. Pretty simple. I think we'll do it, right? Why not? It's technology. You know how we love technology here because it works 100% of the time. And John McDougall said, he didn't say amen to that, I know that, um, that's for sure. So thank you for your diligence and your faithfulness in giving. Um, just one of those great challenges that God throws out to us and says, it's like, man, I want to I wanna do some great stuff in you. I just, I want you to worship me and it all fits together. So uh, pretty excited about this message that we have today. I'm going to pray and then let's just jump into it. Before I go any further, though, I have all the handouts um, for this series so far. Today is part 21. I have parts 1 through 21. I, the last couple weeks, I've, I've just, it's Sunday. My brain is all over the place. Sometimes I forget to put them out. So I think the last couple weeks I've forgotten to lay them out, but I have them. They're all here. If I forget, somebody grab me or just grab them and, and, and put them out. But it's, it's uh, several of you are, are keeping up. Um, kind of going deeper. We're going through a lot of stuff. Um, and though we are, yes, we're on part 21 of the book of 1 John, there's so much stuff. And you can get it online. You can catch it online if you if you're were gone or if there's just more stuff that, man, what was he saying about this or that? But you can also do the handouts. First time I've ever done handouts um, for a series. Um, I hope you guys are getting a lot out of those. So, so let's pray. Father, Lord, we thank you that we can come into your house this morning and that we can get together and that we can worship you, Lord God, together, collectively. And Lord God, worship is, is such an intimate time for each one of us, but, but it's also a, a fellowship time. It's the congregation, the body of Christ is getting together. So Lord, you're doing stuff in us individually, but you're doing stuff in us collectively. And how amazing is it that you can do that? Your abilities astound each one of us. So this morning, now when we shift and we get into your word, your teaching, Lord God, open up our minds, open up our hearts, open up our ears, open up our very being, Lord God. Help us to submit to your word, to listen to the wisdom of the Holy Spirit as he expands this within each one of us. And Holy Spirit, I ask you right now, don't let me say anything. Nothing at all, not even the littlest thing that you, that you don't want me to. But Lord God, also help me not to leave anything out that you have me to say. Give me ears and the wisdom to speak what needs to be spoken and to not speak what doesn't need to be spoken. And Lord, once again, I pray that each person who walked in here this morning are touched in a way that they do not leave the same way. Lord God, I believe that you want to change each one of us, change us in regards to drawing us closer to you, to making us more like your son. So we submit to that and we ask for that. We pray this, the mighty name of Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. Well, like I said, we are still, we're still on this series in the book of First John. And we have now come into chapter four. Chapter four of First John is amazing. There is so much in there. Um, so much in there. And we've actually come to an incredibly pivotal verse. It is a verse that really each one of us, we need to read it, right? Of course we need to read it, but we really need to understand it. We need to take it in. We need to, need to comprehend it. But then we can't leave it there. We need to take that in and we need to apply it. We need to apply this verse into our lives. And for almost Every single person in here, I don't think I could exclude anyone, we need to stand upon this verse. It's a verse that sums up so much of the, the gospel message and, and, and how we, 
as followers of Christ are to live our lives and to conduct ourselves within our own, you know, within our own body. Sometimes the worst thoughts in our head are, are the worst things that we face every day. We need to use this to conduct ourselves in our families, in our, in our workplaces, on our campuses, in our communities. Today's verse deals with, I would say, is the true pandemic that is infecting this world. And the pandemic that didn't start in 2020 didn't begin recently. In fact, it's been around a very, very, very long time. And it has grown to affect so much of so many people's lives. And tragically, Christians are included here. But should we be? So let's jump into 1 John, and, and we're going to see what insight and, and encouragement that we can draw upon and we're going to take a couple different looks this morning. We're going to do things just a bit differently. Um, we're going to look at this verse in, in really two different ways, and really the dichotomy of this love-fear relationship that, that seems to be prevalent in a lot of Christians' lives. So let's start today by looking at 1 John 4.18 out of the English Standard Version. That's the version that I, I usually use. Um, you know we've been using the Amplified for, for chapter 4, and we will get into the Amplified, but I thought, boy, let's start looking at it through through uh, the English Standard Version. So what we will do is we're going to start out by taking more of a general look, kind of that, hey, I'm way up here and we're looking down, but then as we continue through the service, we're going to zero in. And I believe both views will be beneficial to us. So let's look at 1 John 4.18 out of the English Standard Version. It says this, There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. Have you ever heard that before? Now, last week I said we're dealing with a verse. You don't see it on T-shirts, bumper stickers, and this and that. This one, though, you do. There's no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. So really, from a general perspective, we see that not only is there no fear in love, but love actually casts out or it expels fear. Now that's a pretty bold statement, isn't it? It's a statement that helps us understand that there is no equality between love and fear, right? It's not, it's not like um, John is writing this and it's not like the words of Jesus were, were alluding that, that there's a fear and there's love and they're kind of come up against each other and you've got to choose which one. There's no equality here. Love triumphs over fear because love is infinitely more dominant and it's more dynamic than fear. So when I read this verse and I try to comprehend it and understand it, and even apply it to my own life, the question has to become, why do we allow fear to have such a place of control or authority in our lives as well as our society? Especially in light of the second sentence in this verse 18, for fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. John relates fear to punishment. I think that's, that's a great visual. That's, that's, a, that's a great thing to relate, fear and punishment. Now, as we will see when we zero in and take a more specific look, punishment here has to do with, with an eternal sense of punishment. But when I read a verse like this, even with that understanding, I ask myself, but, but what about fear in the immediate sense? What about fear right now? And I believe we need to, to be taking a, a both and look at fear here. Because so many are allowing some aspect of fear into their life and the punishment that it is inflicting right now. Right now, it's taking its toll. So I thought, man, what, what example could I give here? I, I just thought, boy, if we had a, like an example that we could run through, and I had a little boom, 
was a light bulb. It was a dim light bulb. My light bulbs are on dimmers. I thought it might just help us. So let's look at something that, that tends to strike fear and anxiety into many people, both inside as well as outside of the church, maybe even more outside of the church. And this is just an example, but the overall principle can be applied to, to just about anything in terms of fear. That's what I want you to understand. That Joe, we're going through a specific example. You can take this and you can write anything in there. And you can draw the flow of, of really anything. The example that I chose today is gun violence. Like I said, we could use corruption here. It could say corruption right there just as easily as it could say abortion. It could say abuse. It could say all sorts of things. But for, day, for today, let's look at gun violence. And I want you to understand, and I'm, I'm just saying this right now, this is in no way a political statement. This is just an example. You have your own ideas about gun violence and, and what that entails and, and what solutions might be and all that. I just want you to look at this and keep an open mind, understanding that you could put anything in here. Now, as for gun violence, the 2020 statistics, which are, are really the most recent year for which um, complete data is available, we know that 45,222 people died from gun-related injuries in the U.S. This is according to the CDC. That's 2020. Now, this figure includes both murders, but also gun suicides. And this is by far the most on record, representing a 14% increase from the year before, a 25% increase from five years earlier, and a 43% increase from a decade Prior. Now, it would be interesting to see um, updated statistics because, gosh, a lot has happened since 2020. Big giant shift in 2020. And we have seen a lot of, of gun violence increase just from 2020. So, so these numbers are probably pretty conservative right now. So I look at that and I think, boy, what is going on here? What is perpetuating this gun violence. Now, would it be accurate to say that, that gun violence stems from a broader prevalence of violent behavior itself? Would anybody disagree? Anybody disagree? I think gun violence is caused because there's a prevalence of violence itself in this society. So I think that's a, an accurate statement. So then the question has to become, so why is violence in general on the rise? Because there has to be a reason, right? And I don't think we have to look very far to see that violent behavior and its increase is directly tied to an increase in anger, hate, depression, greed, <laughs> oppression. Put that up there. Um, obviously, you could add to this. Obviously, we could take an entire screen up of saying, okay, violent behavior is caused by this, but I think these are the basics. Anger, of course, you get mad. Hate, I hate this person, that person, this group of pre-people. Depression, depression causes people to act all sorts of ways. So does greed, and there's the idea of oppression. So all these things um, come into effect, and, and we're kind of working backwards, aren't we? So maybe that's why people act the way they do is, is right here. And as we continue to work backwards, I think it's accurate to say that the root cause of behaviors like anger and hate, depression, greed, and oppression is it's fear, isn't it? It, it totally is. It's, you're telling me that that person's angry? Because there's a, a deep-seated issue of fear, I'm telling you exactly that's the reason that that person is angry. You're telling me that that person is full of hate because they possess fear? It sure doesn't look like with what they're spewing out of their mouth. It sure doesn't look like that they're, that they're crippled by fear. If you backtrack it, if you really dig into it, you'll understand that depression, greed, oppression. It all grows from the root of fear. See, fear causes a person to react in a, in a variety of ways, and those ways are usually uncharacteristic or unpredictable. That person is out of his mind. That person has changed dramatically. We know people within our lives who begin to, to withdraw 
they begin to say things that's, that's uncharacteristic. It's a, it's a gradual slide, but we see that. And if we take the time to really talk to them, to really dig into things, to really have a heart-to-heart, we can probably come to the conclusion that there's something dealing with fear within each one of this person. See, it's uncharacteristic. It's so unpredictable that the result is either self-harm or harm to others or a thought process of that, a desire to do such things. Now remember verse 18, for fear has to do with punishment. So we started with gun violence and we have worked our way back to fear. But fear, according to John and affirmed by the gospel message, It's an absence of love. Wait a second. So gun violence? You jump the steps? Gun violence is is really a result in, in an absence of love? Again, verse 18. There is no fear in love. The perfect love casts out fear. Couldn't we say that perfect love casts out everything below fear? I I think we could do that. Now we see that gun violence or whatever else we started with is actually the basic result of a lack of love. And we're talking about God's agape standard of love here. Everything that we've been talking about over the past 20 weeks, well, a little bit more than that, Dealing with God's agape love and a lack thereof. So as we trace this back, we can only come to one conclusion. That without love, fear will always fill that void. Here's the beautiful and tragic part. The love of God is available to everyone through Jesus Christ. He's available to everyone. That's beautiful because of the opportunity, the potential um, life change that everyone can, can experience. That's so beautiful, but it's also tragic simply because so many people choose to reject that. So now we come to the basic truth. Fear and everything that results from fear. Behaviors like hate, anger, depression, greed, Oppression, envy, strife, all of those things, which for our example today results in violent behavior and gun violence, it exists simply and structurally because there is a denial of God which separates us from receiving His love. Could it be that simple, you fanatical, crazy Christian? You just don't understand real life. Because there's so much more going on. You always got to bring God into the equation, don't you? Yeah, we do. Because simply and fundamentally, right there's the flow. Gun violence is occurring in our nation and in our world today because there's a general denial of God, both individually but collectively. As a nation, we deny God and We see the results. We have the hard data. We have the numbers. We have the percent increases from year to year to year. And here's the worst part. And here's the biggest mistake that we make. People, again individually as well as collectively, they try to solve the problems in a backward way. Oh, it's gun violence. We need to solve the problem of gun violence. Let's focus on gun violence. Let's focus on the guns. Let's focus on education. Let's focus on safety. But they never take into account that gun violence is a product of violent behavior. And violent behavior is a product of anger, hate, depression, greed, and oppression. And that is all based in fear. And fear exists because there's an absence of love and there's an absence of love because there's a denial of God. We need to flip this over and begin to solve the problems the opposite direction. Stop denying God and let's see what happens. See, the solution is to accept God and therefore receive the love that He has for us. And as a result, 
we welcome and we embrace that love. And, and then we, we do something crazy. We begin to reciprocate that love. And then something changes within our thinking because our heart is now affecting our thinking and, and we live under the tenets of that love. And that is namely the, the moral code of conduct that God gives us. Doesn't God say a little bit about all this type of stuff, about murder and, and envy and greed and all those things? His principles are so amazing. So it brings us back to 1 John 4.18. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment, and whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I want to be able to say, hey, I'm perfected in love. Remember, perfected and complete within love. Now, the beauty of the scriptures is that they just make so much sense if we read them through the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. Are you telling me that this book has all the answers to all the problems of man? I am 100% absolutely telling you that this book has all the answers. Now that's really a more general look at the love-fear relationship that I believe we can put into practice right now. We need to start thinking these things through. Now that's a that general thing, gun violence, but what within, within your own life that you're, and you're fearful of? Think about that. What is it? And then start, start backtracking it. Well, I don't deny God, right? But have you denied His love in any way? Have you been absent from seeking His love in any way? And what is that causing? And, and what is that doing? So now let's go a, a little deeper. Let's dig down just a little deeper. And for this, I do want to switch to the Amplified Version of First John 4.18. So... It's a lot longer, isn't it? It's louder, it's amplified, right? First John 4, 18, out of the Amplified says this, there is no fear in love. Dread does not exist. So now we get that great word dread. Dread, it doesn't exist because there is no fear in love. But perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So that the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love. He has not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. That's, that's, there's more to it now, right? I love the ESV. But I love supplementing the ESV with the Amplified. And taking all that in. And in our case today, it's saying, okay, it, it's both now, but it's, it's far from now. Because now, for the Christian, we do see another aspect of fear here, as well as love. Talks about confidence, right? And, and, and the other side of confidence. You guys remember what confidence is from last week, right? Confidence, if you remember, is the feeling or belief that one can rely on someone or something with firm trust. So the opposite of that confidence is what? The opposite of that confidence is always fear. Why are we fearful? Because there is a lack of confidence within our lives. See, if we truly abide in the love of the Father, meaning we have a firm trust, confidence in Him, and, and we are confident in His love, as well as his standard of love, it is at that point that we can all live without fear. See, I love how God expands this to us. He teaches this to us. Because if there's somebody that you're dealing with that's struggling with fear, I mean really struggling with fear, and maybe it's the person in the mirror, right? Maybe you get up every morning and you're looking, you're just afraid. There's just fear in your life. If somebody walks up to you and says, yeah, you know what your problem is? Let me tell you what your problem is. See, the thing is, is there is no fear in love. So you shouldn't be fearful. So go forth 
and don't be fearful. How much does that help each one of us? It's like, wow, I feel like you just beat me with a scripture and now I'm better? No, that doesn't really help me because I still am gripped with this fear. But God's saying, but we have a process. We need to get to this process. There's things. There's a, there's a confidence thing in here. And, and how do we have confidence or firm trust in anything if we don't know much about that thing, right? So there's a relationship issue that has to start. Yes, there is no fear in love because perfect love drives out or casts out fear. But within our lives, we have to get to a point where we long for, we look for, and we accept that perfect love. And it is at that point that we can begin to live without fear. Churches, ministers, God-loving people, we can mess things up when we just simply quote a scripture and we expect that to perfectly cure that person. No, there's a thing called discipleship. There's a thing called walking together with somebody. I wish I could just throw scripture at you guys and everything would be perfect, right? But you guys are sheep. I'm a sheep. I'm a dumb sheep. I need constant correction. I need constant... um, instruction I need to be walked with so that I can continue to walk every day. I need to be encouraged by, by the Lord himself. And sometimes that's through the words of, of, of you people. I need that so I can continue to say, oh God, I have confidence in you. Oh God, my confidence in you is growing. I'm reading your scriptures and it's so amazing. And then I get around God's people and we speak about it. And then we talk about testimonies and and your confidence, it just keeps welling up within me and within that firm trust. I look to your love. And it is that love, that agape standard of love that is now dealing with with the fear that I carry. I wish I could stand in here and say, hey, if you're saved, you have no fear in your life. But I know there's people in here this morning and you're struggling with fear, some aspect of fear. Now for a Christian, for somebody that has come to the Lord, that, that has made Jesus Christ their Savior, their, their Lord, they, they have a relationship, they're building a relationship we know that the first experience that we have with God is with his love, isn't it? And it is that love that begins to to drive out the fear, begins to drive it out, because we need to continue to press in and we need to continue to grab hold and on a daily basis we need to renew our relationship. Because that fear in our life, we've become so accustomed to it. It's become so normal in our life. It's become so normal in our society right now. My goodness, it is all fear-driven. We live in a fear-driven society more so than any time in the history of this world. We're all afraid. We're told to be afraid. We're encouraged to be afraid. That's not what God says. See, it's that love, and it's so powerful and life-changing that it, that it begins and continues to change our very thought process and our very views. And the more we pursue God, and the more we allow ourselves to be loved by God, actually removes it removes the power of the fear in our life. See, that fear has power. It definitely has power. But remember... There's no equality between fear and God's love. Though it may have power, love is infinitely more powerful. The more we pursue God, the more we allow ourselves to be loved by God, and it removes that fear. And sometimes it's a chunk at a time. And for sometimes, in some situations, all that fear... It's gone in an instant. And as a result, God's love, that very love that cast out that fear, it puts a desire within us to be even more obedient to his commands, his teaching, his guidance. And that in turn 
built our confidence even more, our firm trust, which allows us to bask in that love even more. And that confidence begins to grow exponentially. Confident in who we are and how we are loved. Look at Romans 8, 38 and 39. What an amazing passage. For I am convinced, this is Paul speaking, right? For I am convinced and continue to be convinced beyond any doubt, that's confidence right there, that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor things present and threatening nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the unlimited love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should, we should take confidence in that. Man, that verse should get us excited. When we're going through bad things, we should look at that. When people are coming against us, we should look at that. It kind of covers everything, doesn't it? Nothing can separate us from the unlimited love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. If we have that love, then how? can fear stand within our life. That is such a bold statement and it's written in such a way that conveys the confidence that each one of us should long for. Do you long for that kind of confidence in your life? We should long for that. We should say, man, I can do all things in Christ. I am crucified with Christ. And I have a firm understanding that nothing can separate us from the love of Jesus Christ. And if I have the love of Jesus Christ, well, basically I have everything. It's everything that I need. And you know what? Each one of us, each and every one of us, I don't care who you are, we can attain this exact same firm trust in God and in His love because it's extended to everyone equally. But that's Paul saying that. And oh, Paul, man, Paul's way up here. Paul had a whole bunch of more doses that I'm ever going to get. It's not how God does things. He extends everything equally. So when Paul speaks about something, we need to understand that that's available in that same form, in that same potency to us, just as it was to him. So let's go back to 1 John 4.18. There's some stuff underlined. There is no fear in love. Dread does not exist, but perfect, complete, full-grown love drives out fear. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment so that the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love, has not grown in a sufficient understanding of God's love. So am I perfected in love? I don't know. What's the standard? Well, here's the standard. Because fear involves the expectation of divine punishment. So the one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected. See, I believe now we have come to the, the bottom line. We're at the basement here. We've come to a point where we are faced with a lot of conviction, a lot of challenge, a lot of understanding. Because what it's saying is fear, at a basic level, involves the expectation of divine punishment. What door are we allowing open, letting it be cracked? What window have we left open in our lives that is allowing fear to come into our lives? Well, if we go to a basic level, it's the expectation. Expectation of divine punishment. See, we become consumed with fear because we are ultimately afraid of God's judgment. See, the world, humanity itself, is ultimately afraid of God's judgment. Because without Christ, there is nothing except God's judgment and His wrath. I do not believe this is dependent upon being a Christian. I don't believe this is, this is dependent upon a belief in God. Because 
I've spoken to enough people of all different backgrounds. And I truly believe that those who claim to be agnostic or atheist, at their core level, they are gripped by a fear of God's judgment. But how can that be? They don't believe in God. Well, then how do they hate him so bad? And why are they so fearful of his judgment? And I think it's even more evident in those who believe in a false religion, where really their mode of worship involves an angry God or an angry divine being, right? You know, Christianity's a whole lot different. Christianity is based on love, but false religions aren't. They're based on you have to do this and this and this, and God's probably still going to be angry at you. So it's easy to understand that those involved in a false religion, it's based in fear. And it's based in a fear of, of an angry God. But unfortunately, I think many Christians today struggle with that same fear of this judgmental God that's doesn't matter what I do, he's going to be mad at me. He's, he's, he's disappointed in me. I, I, I could never be good enough for God. You're absolutely right. You can't. But through Jesus Christ, all things are possible. So why? Why is this happening to, to, to the general population as well as those who claim to be Christians? Simple. It's based in an inadequacy of confidence. An adequacy of confidence. See, see, if you're struggling with fear, I, I can come back and say, oh man, but, but what's really going on is you have an inadequacy of confidence. That sounds, that sounds pretty gentle and, and kind of loving. But, but John here, he puts it more bluntly. The one who is afraid of God's judgment is not perfected in love. They have not grown into a sufficient understanding of God's love. That's a little more forceful. But we're all saying the same thing. But the great news is, is that we can grow into a maturity within our faith where we're moving away from this idea or perception that God is judgmental, that no matter what we do, he's going to be angry at me. Now he can forgive the rest of the church, but how could he ever forgive me personally? How could he have anything other than disappointment in me personally? We can move beyond that. That's the great news because the blood of Jesus changes us. The wisdom and the power of the Holy Spirit changes us. And the love of God that he bestows through his Son and the Holy Spirit, it changes us. It changes us step by step. It changes us day by day. We are to fix our heart and our eyes upon Christ. Now, not once a year at Easter. Not twice a year at Easter and Christmas. Not even once a week in church. It's a day-to-day. -day. It's a minute-by-minute. -minute. Fixing our heart and eyes upon Jesus. How does that look? It looks like a relationship. It looks like an open dialogue that we share all day. Oh God, help me through this situation. Oh Jesus, I'm starting to be fearful here. Oh man, God, you just did that. God, I'm going to pray for this person. It's this ongoing. We pray all the time. We pray in the sense that we have a conversation with God all the time. Perfect love is His love. It's his love within us. It's his love within us being allowed to flourish. Have you guys allowed God's perfect agape love in, that is planted within you? That's what happens when we come to Jesus and accept him as Lord and Savior. We become a temple of the Holy Spirit. It's planted within us. Have you allowed it to flourish? Right? You know what doesn't flourish? Something that's neglected doesn't flourish. Have you watered the love? Have you fertilized the love? Have you, have you weeded around the love? Because once we begin to do that, that perfect love is allowed to flourish. And that's when ultimate, ultimately fear it begins to depart. See, the basis of fear is always the same for a believer. 
basis of fear for a believer is separation from God. And that should scare us. Separation from God comes from God's judgment. The Father's love for us, it warranted the perfect sacrifice. And Christ frees us from that judgment because of the perfect sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Therefore, it is his love, the perfect love of God that casts out or cancels out our ultimate fear. And if we get rid of the ultimate fear, then the root is cut. Because what can this world do to me when my eternity is sealed with my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? When I have been reconciled to my Father? What can this world do to me? What can people in this world do to me? What can a virus do to me? What can the immoral behaviors of those around me do to me? If I have the ultimate confidence within the love of the Father, the sacrifice of the Son and the power of the Holy Spirit, that ultimate fear is no longer within me. Eternal separation no longer exists. It's not something that I have to think about, to be afraid of. And then everything can flow from that. What can this world do to me? If I'm here, I'm going to glorify Jesus. If I die, I'm going to be with Jesus. Accepting the love that he has for us and allowing it into each one of your lives so it will flourish that completes and perfects the love that he has for us. We have to make a deliberate effort here to open ourselves up to the love of God. How does that look? Well, it can look in a variety of, of different ways. And it can be specific to each one of us. So easy if it was the exact same thing and I said just do this and you'll be good but God doesn't do that within us because he loves us so much and he, he understands that we struggle with different things we're fearful of different things we have different past experiences but you can pretty much be sure that it's going to involve the biggest barriers that you have in your life the biggest barriers that you have erected between your relationship in your Lord. And that's where the Holy Spirit and His wonderful conviction comes in. And the Holy Spirit's conviction says, hey, you know what? This is a bad spot. This is a, this is a dangerous spot. This is a spot that you have put up barriers. Now I'm, I'm, I'm convicting you in this so that we can begin to work on it together. The Holy Spirit will always say that so that we can begin to work on this together. It's that conviction that that highlights those areas in your life that need to be fully turned over to God. And it is those very areas that are keeping us from a sufficient understanding of God's love. Isn't that what it was just talking about? We need to have a sufficient understanding of God's love. That seems so, so uh, proper. You need to get with God. You need to let God love on you. You need to let God take care of you. You need to let God convict you. You need to let God help you. Because when we do that, we shut the door. We stop allowing that fear to creep in. Look at what Psalms 139, 23 and 24 says. Search me. Kind of. Search me, partly. Search me in these areas. No, it doesn't say that. It says, search me thoroughly, oh God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful way in me and lead me 
in the everlasting way. We could add the everlasting way of love probably on there, right? Search me. That's opening ourselves up hugely, saying, God, I'm allowing you in. Holy Spirit, search me. Holy Spirit, convict me. I want you to know my heart. Sometimes there's times in our lives where we're like, God, I got to shield my heart from you because if you knew what was in there, things would be, he already knows. But when we confess it, when we ask, God, 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 know my heart. Test me. Test me. How many of you guys on a regular basis say, hey, God, test me? <laughs> In the proper context, it can be healthy. And know my anxious thoughts. Anybody in here ever have anxious thoughts? Anybody have anxious thoughts this morning? Any of you having anxious thoughts right now? Probably so. And see if there's any wicked or hurtful ways in me. You know why we need to pray this? Because sometimes we get so consumed in other things. Sometimes we, we try to divert our own thoughts that we can't even see the wicked or hurtful things that are in within us. So we have to step back and say, okay, okay, God, it, it's you. It's by your eyesight. It's by your testing. It's by your, your wisdom. I need you to see and show me if there's any wicked or hurtful things or ways that are within me. And, and But Lord, don't leave me there. Don't, don't just show me because the last thing I want you to do is just show me. Because then i got to try to reconcile that and it's illuminated that I know how bad I am and how disappointed you are. So don't, don't leave me there, but, but instead lead me in the everlasting way of your love. Worship team, if you guys would come up here. See, each one of us this morning, I don't care if you're listening online, I don't care if you're listening right here, each one of us have an opportunity right now to make this our prayer. Right now. Not later. If you guys want to dim the lights, if you guys would do that for me. We have this opportunity now. And why, why this opportunity is so important right now is because, because I believe through worship, through the time of teaching, through, through the scriptures that we went through, I, I believe the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door. He's saying, hey, you may be feeling anxious. You may be feeling fearful. You may be feeling convicted. You may feel corrupt right now. But we can go through this. And we can get before God right now and we can simply say, search me thoroughly, O God. Lord, know my heart. My heart is longing to be with you and to, to, to please you. But Lord God, I, I don't know if I'm there, so test me. Test me right now. And, and Lord, know my anxious thoughts because I'm nervous about this. I'm even nervous about getting in front of you right now. See if there's any wicked or hurtful ways in me. Lord, most of all, lead me. Lead me to your everlasting way. Lead me to your love. Lead me to your salvation. Lead me to your forgiveness. Because, Lord, I need that so much right now. So you have that opportunity. And here's the deal. Here's the truth of the matter. I just, I just said a lot of words. I just spoke for a few minutes. And it all leads up to this. And all I'm doing is obeying God by extending this opportunity to you. So my job for this morning was to do just that. Now I feel comfortable in obeying God in listening to the Holy Spirit and extending this opportunity to you guys. Now it's your choice. What will you do here? How will you respond to the opportunity that the Scripture is placing before you? Now I know fully well Maybe you're struggling with stuff this morning and when you hear a message like this and you're hearing about the Father's love, sometimes that can be a hard message. But 
sometimes that's a hard message because you can't even comprehend what the Father's love looked at, looks like because maybe you had a terrible example of a father. And some of you in here are like, man, I didn't have an example at all. I got nothing to compare it to. Throw those away. Just throw that out of there. Don't let that anxiety enter into this conversation. It might keep you from the Father's love, the true agape love of the Father. Others are sitting in here and they're struggling with unforgiveness. I'm sorry. But at a church, there's always people that are struggling with unforgiveness. And it may be so deep-seated and so old, you can't even put your finger on it. But do you want to be carrying that unforgiveness any longer? Don't you want to forfeit that to God? Just give it to Him and say, God, this is something I'm tired of carrying. It. It's making my back hurt. It's weighing me down. I'm giving it too much energy, too much time. Lord, I need you to take this unforgiveness. You know, an unforgiveness, it's completely based in fear. We're so afraid to give up unforgiveness because we're afraid of how we might see that person through the love of God, and we, we freak out about that. And there's others in here, and you're just wrestling right now with uncertainty. Yeah, you don't know if you're good enough for God. You're not. That's what Jesus came for. Don't let that uncertainty keep you from pressing in. And others, it's just a simple, flat-out confidence issue. Oh, but I'm afraid of God's judgment. I don't do things, and I do other things because it's based upon God's judgment. Well, you're doing those things, and you're acting out of fear. You do those things, or you don't do those things because the love of God is so complete within you that you want nothing more than to please God. He's not a punishing God. He's not going to come down and strike you with a bolt of lightning just because he's having a bad day. So for some of you, it's just a confidence issue. Some of you guys are angry. Some of you guys in here are angry. I don't know who it is. I might get an email later, and then I'll know who it is. But some of you guys are angry. You're angry with yourselves. You're angry with others. You're angry with your situation. You might be angry at God. Praise the Lord, you're in here today. But you don't have to carry that anger. Please don't be angry with yourself. Please don't that, let that anger for others inhibit your relationship with God. And if you're angry with God, tell Him. Tell Him. God, I'm angry with you. I'm angry with you because of this situation. Because you did this in this situation. Guess what? He's a big God. He can bring wisdom and clarity and pull that out of you. Some of you guys are hurt. Some of you guys brought hurt in this morning for whatever reason. And there's an emptiness in your heart. I've got to search that and to remedy that. Some of you guys are just you guys are just in here and you're afraid. You don't even know what you're afraid of. There's just this, this, this constant fear that is within your life. I'm going to tell you right now that that love of God wants to destroy that fear. But it's not just because you don't want to be fearful anymore. The love of God is so you, so you can be closer to God. Accepting the love of God and loving Him back is where it's at. Diminishing fear and it being cast away, that's just a byproduct, right? So this morning, if you're struggling because you had a bad example of a father, if there's unforgiveness that's in your life, if there's uncertainty, if it's a confidence issue, if you're holding on to anger or hurt or fear, I'm inviting you this morning with the opportunity to get before God and simply say, search me thoroughly, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is any wicked or hurtful or unforgiveness or uncertainty or a lack of confidence or is there anger or hurt or fear within my heart? And lead me 
in the everlasting way of your love. Altars are going to be open. I'm going to be available to pray. There's people in here that want to pray for you. Can we sing the first verse? Sing that first. Then I'll, then i got to say something. And then we're going to go back into this song. It's a powerful song. This is your opportunity this morning to get rid of some stuff at this altar. Will you take God upon that opportunity? Love deliverance from my enemies till all my fears are gone. How many of you guys want that? Right there. Go back. Go back. You unravel me. He's going to sing to your heart. He's going to dispel those things. He's going to surround you this morning. Enemies are going to take you away. Fear is replaced by confidence and confidence in the love of God. time we stop walking as as a slave that is in bondage time that we start walking in the, the freedom of his love not bound by fear but free free to love this week I was in my prayer time and uh, the Lord really spoke to me and I felt like I was supposed to share but um, with what pastor was preaching and everything it went right along with it and he spoke to me about fear and he said about how he said does any sheep fear where they eat the grass and the answer is no does any lamb fear where he's getting his water no that's for the shepherd to do and he said that he puts us on his shoulders as we are even marching. So there is no fear in God. The power of God rests upon us because he first surrendered himself to be sacrificed for our lives that he might live and that we might live through him. So Look to the Father, for He is the provider of all things, so that there is no fear. Amen. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank You for this morning, Lord God. We thank You for the opportunity that You continually extend to us. Lord God, help us to seek Your face. Help us, Lord God, to, to cling to you, illuminate those things in our lives that are displeasing to you or causing us anxiety or fear, Lord God, and help us to deal with those. Lord God, help us to rely upon the wisdom of the Holy Spirit. But Lord God, as we go today, Lord God, let us walk out of here not in the spirit of fear, but in the confidence of your love. Pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. This concludes today's message. We hope you can join us next Sunday for services beginning at 10 o'clock a.m. at Bridge Assembly located at 725 Granite Avenue in Helena, Montana. For more information about Bridge Assembly, go to bridgehelena.com. And we hope you can join us next Sunday with Pastor Jason Metz.